this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. What a week week one was, and we have got another fantastic week two coming up. Ryan Keenan and the Saskatchewan Rush are off to a hot start. Steve Tolan, Panther City, gets set for their home opener. Plus, thumbs up, thumbs down, and another round of box bets. All that and more on OTCB. Jenner and boy have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Eric Fidel, are you kidding me? Goal number four on the night. This one is the best we've seen. Great feed from the far side. And Eric Fidel takes flight and jams that one home. What is good, everybody? Welcome back. What an opening weekend it was. My, oh my, who would have thought the blowouts that we saw would have been as dramatic as they were. He is Pat Gregoire. You can find him on Twitter, at P. Greggy. I am there, at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast or on the Instas at OTCB podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode right here on the lacrosse flash podcast network patty what is good my friend everything is good Uh, lacrosse is back man like uh what an awesome week one yeah a couple more blowouts than we probably would have liked to seen but even the blowouts were entertaining like Mm -hmm. even the games that were just out of whack like the fact we saw two teams hit 18 a team hit 19 we had almost 30 goals in one game. Like, yeah, I know it takes the goalies and the defense a little long to, to you know, a little while to, to get dialed in. But doesn't it normally take a while for the offense to start clicking? The offense a little longer, yeah. Yeah, like I feel like the offenses were buzzing for an opening weekend. My goodness. Yeah. Like, that was surprising to me. But, no, it was awesome uh, to have – uh, games back we had the friday night game in halifax and then just a smorgasbord <laughs> of lacrosse on saturday the only thing that was missing 
was a little Sunday fun day, but hey, Saturday night was awesome. Just surfing through all the games, multiple screens open. Mm-hmm. Lacrosse is back, baby. Sunday fun day would have been great. Overtime would have been nice, especially in that San Diego, New York game, if that team yes. goal had counted. Um, but Halifax, Toronto, and Saskatchewan all basically broke their season highs from last year for goals. Um, we almost got to the season high for any team in goals, which was 20 uh, last year. So offenses are hot out of the gate. It'll be interesting to see where we're at after week two, if we still have this grandiose spread on some of these games, you know, you didn't really expect Philly to only put up eight. You definitely didn't expect Colorado to only put up six Buffalo only getting to 10. There were some question marks. Was there one surprise more than the other for you? Good or bad, good or bad. Let's go with the good and the bad. We'll say the good surprise uh, for me uh, was Albany. And Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I was, I was texting uh, with Clem Durazio the night before the game, just wishing him luck and said like, Hey, like, you know, time to shock the world, LOL. (laughs) And he goes, that's the plan. Yeah. And sure enough, they shocked the world. I know it's just one game, but I don't think many people had Albany winning this game. I did talk about in my blog for box bets on um, the Lax uh, Flash that, you know, this is an Albany team that has always played Buffalo well. They're yeah. going to keep the, the scoring down and they're going to grind you out. So I wasn't necessarily surprised that Dougie Jameson had 44 saves and the defense was fast and furious. That offense, and I know 11 is not a ton of goals, but that offense looked good. They looked mm-hmm. fast. They were sharing the ball. Tanner Thompson with seven points, super impressive. Like yeah. very, very impressed um, with that outcome. The ugly, let's say, uh, I was very surprised that Colorado only put up six. And you and I talked about how we said, you know, Mammoth fans, you know, don't hit the panic button if it starts out slow. Yeah. They're super banged up out the front door. Um, you might get a little bit of the hangover from the championship, but offensively, defensively, Dylan Moore, like that did not look like it looked like a shell of themselves from last year. And I'm not hitting the panic button yet with this no, team, no. but it's going to be a bit of a grind to start the year off. Let's just, let's be frank because they are missing some key pieces out the front door. And if Dylan Ward and that defense isn't absolutely dialed, uh, they could be in some trouble early on. Uh, They they never play Saskwell in the regular season. That's a story as the old, as old as time, especially early in the season. Um, They were missing a bunch of bodies. I'm not like you, I'm not too concerned. Um, Maybe you would have liked to have seen him have a little more production, and yeah. a little more urgency early on, but I think that's just uh first game of the year. Let's move on. Let's just forget about it. Um, the big surprise to me positively was Rochester putting up 16. Yeah. Um, that is just an incredible number. Obviously, we talked about the goaltending situation in Georgia, but the goaltending situation in Rochester with Ryland Hartley, um, he looks to be in midseason form already. They look great. That offense, another year stronger. Uh, and then you add in Connor Fields. Uh, just gives them a nice little boost. So I was really impressed with them. Uh, obviously, my negative is just the start for Vancouver. Um, yeah. You know, I don't want to harp on them too much. Uh, they get to go right back at it against Calgary this weekend, a team that didn't play. But and they got and they got better as that game went on. But just right out of the start, Toronto just jumped all over them. They couldn't find an answer. 
Uh, and that was that was actually a bit of a surprise. I thought they would be a little more energetic and ready to go, especially from all the conversations we had with everybody leading up to that game. Uh, I was just just shocked at how quickly it went south for them. So um, hopefully they can turn around. Like I said, they did get better as that game went on, uh, especially mm-hmm. in the second half. They started to get some saves. The offense started to look better. But no preseason games just really, really put them behind the eight ball going in. So uh, yeah. we'll see how they will bounce back here in week two. That That's a big thing. And I think a lot of it culminated. Um, Toronto just looked really good. They were fired up. They're a good team. They're just straight up. Toronto is a very good mm-hmm. team. Um, I, I think, obviously, Fryer definitely didn't have the start that he wanted to have. Um but again, I think the big the big thing for me here with this Vancouver team is no exhibition game. You yeah. have a couple of inner squad games, but you, you just can't simulate going out and playing another team, seeing another color on the floor um, that's not your own, that you've been battling through training camp. So if they come out this weekend and Calgary takes the boots to them and they look flat and the offense doesn't look great, and you know they're flip-flopping between goalies then you can be like okay maybe yeah. this isn't Vancouver's year to take take the next step sure you if you're a, if you're a a warriors fan you can be upset with the result of that game but don't be going into this year after that game being like oh same old warriors nothing has changed um because i do think that even in week one with, with, with a lot of teams, we tend to overreact. Yeah. Uh, this is a situation where I don't think you can overreact uh, until we see what happens ne- this upcoming week against a, you know, a division rival. Cause at the end of the day, if you drop a game, I know they're technically rivals cause it's the Toronto uh, Vancouver rivalry, yeah. the cross country rivalry. But at the end of the day, if you don't, if you drop a game against a out of conference foe, Sure, every game matters, but when you're losing in division, that's when you can really, really, um, you know, lose that momentum, and that's when you really start to kick yourself down the stretch of the season when you're handing wins over mm-hmm. two teams that you'll be battling for playoff spots. We'll talk with Ryan Keenan of the Rush and defensive coach Steve Toll, Panther City, in a little bit, but let's get the thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, I'll go first. You already mentioned uh, Albany with 11 goals, but that offense – put up 26 between the entire group. And Mm -hmm. when you looked at the stats, especially during the offseason, of the bodies that they lost from Benny to Crawford to um, Joey Rez and Ethan O'Connor, everyone was like, oh, my goodness, what is happening? What is this? And and Riley O'Connor – or sorry, Riley O'Connor, not Ethan O'Connor – we all thought, oh, man, this offense is going to be decimated. This team is going to really have to rely on Dougie and that defense. But if you're always putting up 11 goals and 26 points on a Buffalo team that is, many believe, one of the best defensive teams in the league, that is a huge positive take for a team that is rebuilding. It is massive. Uh, and I think the big thing that you got to think about here for for Albany is that you know, like you know, Doug Jamison is your guy. You know that defense is going to play fast. They're they're going to you know cause problems for every offense in the league. Like look what they were able to do to Buffalo. But mm-hmm. the the big thing with this group, and take a listen if you haven't already to 
um, lax class. Uh, Tanner Thompson was on this week and he yeah. said, you know, the fact that he's like, not a lot of us have scored in this league. They don't really have the luxury to have egos on that offense. They don't have the luxury where guys think the ball should be in their stick. They're all unproven. They're all mm-hmm. trying to prove that they belong in this league, that they belong, you know, you know, on the power play that they should be a one or a two. And if they don't, you know, next man up man mentality. So the fact that you have these guys, not only battling for each other and battling to, uh, you know, win lacrosse games, they're battling for their careers. Mm-hmm. And that was very apparent. Like you did not see the ball die in anyone's stick on that offense. It was no, in and out, was in and out. Fun. It was Movement. fun to watch. It was so much fun to watch. And, I mean, Tanner Thompson's right. Sure, that's a great seven-point performance for him, but he knows, you know, that nothing's promised in this league. And just because he put up seven this week doesn't mean that if he has two bad weeks in a row, he might not be in the lineup or he might be down on the depth chart on the righties. So um, for for me, it's just I think this offense is going to be super unselfish. They're going to be athletic. There's going to be times where Glenn Clark – uh, is going to be pulling out his hair because the offense kind of, you know, isn't getting it done. But one thing that they will always have is the fact that they're going to be moving and they're going to buy into things. So mm-hmm. um, the fact that they were able to put up 11 against a very good Buffalo team that I will say not having Steve Priolo certainly uh, was a big issue with that defense. Uh, but hey, what a way to start the season kudos to the firewolves they they shut up a lot of people including yeah. myself I, I mean i i i had the bandits winning this game for sure uh kieran ricardo was six points ethan walker with three tanner thompson with seven connor kelly with five john piatelli with three jerome thompson heina thompson with a two um they just they just got it from everywhere both sides of the ball they got contributors they even got some scoring in transition um so it was a very good opening game for Albany. What is your thumbs up, Pat? My thumbs up is we talked about this game already, but yeah, you know what? You look at Toronto men scoring in transition. I think their first like five or four goals were all in transition. Um, you know, Corey Small has a big debut. Tom Schreiber looks like he's poised for an MVP season. Dan Dawson still has some energy. Challen Rogers looks great. Uh, all these things, you know, 18 goals. Nick Rose had 51 saves and <laughs> nobody talked about how well he played. Like you mentioned it, that second half Vancouver started to get some looks yeah. and quality looks. Um, and I think <laughs> again, just because it was a blowout, nobody. And I mean, nobody talked about how well Nick, I mean, you guys did on, on the broadcast, but just quietly 51 saves like he was lights out Uh, any thought of a comeback was pretty much put on the back burner with the way that he played so kudos uh, to Nick Rose Uh, a big start to what I think he has a lot of high expectations for himself I think the team has high expectations for him and I think the whole league and the media is kind of expecting from what we saw from Nick Rose last year not only do we think he's going to have as strong as a season I think people are kind of expecting him to continue to progress and, and be a big reason why this team has an, a good opportunity to go deep in the postseason yeah he was absolutely unbelievable from the opening whistle he's just so steady and calm he 
You know, he understands as a big body, he's got to, you know, position himself and he doesn't make a lot of, you know, over-exaggerated, egregious movements if he doesn't have to. Um, he just plays a very sound style and, and he starts the transition game and he just gives that defense confidence to be aggressive. And there weren't those, you know, soft goals that sometimes go in on goaltenders. He didn't give any of those up. He was just steady all night long. And if he does keep that up, uh, you know, I, I think I picked him. Uh, it was either him or CDB to be the goalie of the year. But I really think Nick Rhodes is in that conversation uh, no, right no. out of the gate. Um, thumbs down, Patty. You should go first. I'll go first, and it's kind of building off goaltenders. So the Buffalo Bandits, obviously not the start they were looking for. They lose to uh, an, under, an underdog in Albany. It was uh, an underwhelming offensive performance. Um, but, hey, it's game one. Not really that big of a deal. You're missing some key pieces in that lineup as well. If you logged on to Buffalo Bandits Facebook page, <laughs> you would have thought that they lost 500 to two. Oh, because the comments on the final score graphic were outrageous, calling for Matt Vince to retire, saying that Dane Smith did not look like the MVP from last year, saying that you know something needs to be done. They need to 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 start thinking about starting Devlin Shanahan or trading for a goalie. Like, give me an absolute break, Banderland. I love you guys. I love Buffalo. I love the passion that is in that building and, and, and the fire that this team has to win a championship. But some of the comments on that post were absolutely insane. It's game one. <laughs> you lost by a goal to a team that I think is a lot better than most people think they're going to be. Yeah, was Matt Vince, was that his best performance? Absolutely not. But when you are one of the greatest players, not only to play that position, but to play the game of lacrosse, you can get away with an average performance. Hey, Buffalo's electric offense probably should have scored more goals. Yeah, I get it. But hey, it's game friggin' one. <laughs> Relax. Relax, Bandit Land. It's going to be fine. That'd be like the Seals fans saying they need to add another forward. <laughs> right? Like, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. The only positive thing was the play of the Hogan Anacoke, which, hey, I'll give thumbs up to him because uh, he looked great. I know he got tossed for two majors after fighting, after running Doug Jameson. So, obviously, not ideal that start. That was a backbreaker, you know? It really was. It really kind of changed the outcome of the game. And again, that's something that I, it's so hard in the heat of the moment. Like I'm sure if Doga knew he was going to get a five, he probably wouldn't have dropped the gloves. Yeah. But in the, in the heat of the moment, you know, you think of, you don't really think of, ah, I'm probably just going to get a five here. So I probably shouldn't drop my gloves. You know what I mean? So yeah. unfortunate for sure. But like, that was honestly Teddy, like that was literally for the most part, the only positive thing that was said. My geez. Uh, my thumbs down, and it's something we don't see very often, but it actually happened twice that I've seen so far this weekend. Uh, ball going underneath the turf for the rare offensive zone slash defensive zone faceoff. <laughs> yeah. um, like, I understand NLL teams have to roll their turfs up and they have to store them because the arenas have other events that's going on. I completely get that. Obviously, the turf monsters that are there are going to be caused because the turf has to be rolled up and it stores and sometimes it doesn't fit right. 
We have got to find a way to not have the ball slipping under the turf so we have these face-offs. It's not a huge game slower down or anything like that. You do have to, you know, sub guys on things. But can we not find a way to keep the turf down at the edges of the board so the ball doesn't go underneath it? You would think that someone uh, would have figured this out because, yes, Teddy, it's 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 infuriating when when a ball goes underneath and it kind of ruins the flow of the game. But the bigger concern for me is is some of the other spots where they have like the wave in the yeah. middle of the floor, and you know maybe the 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 sponsorship sponsor uh, has, patches, yeah, they have big ruts. Like that's that is a serious hazard for these players. Mm-hmm. And again, I you you know you there isn't a like obviously there isn't a way that you can solve this or someone would have solved it already. Um, it's not coming from me. I know that nope. I'm not a scientist. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a physicist. It's not coming from me, but if there is a way what we can figure out how this, the turf and, and I'm sure it's probably driving owners nuts because yeah, how no much doubt. money they're paying yeah. for these turfs. Um, and then they go and see like, it's not laid down properly and some of their star players could get hurt and yeah. it's definitely not ideal. So I'm not blaming the owners uh, by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's, I'm not blaming it. It's just someone, I blame some science. Turf, science, science, something, some turf company figure out a way where we can have a flat playing surface yeah. because a, it ruins the flow of the game when, when the ball just disappears and two, we've seen in the past uh, players get hurt because of, yeah. of poor turf conditions. And it's just unacceptable at this point. Uh, it's definitely a question for commissioner Brett Frude uh, down the line. He had a great chat with Jake and Evan uh, on lax class this week. Uh, you had a chance to see him uh, in Halifax. I saw him in Toronto. He then went down at halftime to the Buffalo game. So he was taking in a lot of NL action. Um, were you impressed with your conversation with him and, and the conversation he had with the fellows on LC? 1000%. Uh, I was really, really impressed with one. Uh, this is a lacrosse guy. Like he, yeah. thir- like you could tell he thoroughly uh, enjoyed the game. Uh, I had an opportunity to talk to him before the game, um, briefly during the game at halftime. I know John Abbott had a chance to actually interview him. Um, but and then I also talked to him, you know, in the Air Canada Lounge on the way home. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Dropping the lounge lounge pass. Yes, lounge pass. Yeah, thank you, John Abbott, for for the (laughs) the guest pass. But um, you could tell, like, you're just talking to him. Um, He's a lacrosse guy, like, breaking down, you know, the depth that Halifax had and was really impressed with how – Randy Stotts looked in that offense and, you know, saying blaze reared and like, this is a, this is a, one of the best goalies, if not the best goalie in the plant in the field game. And, and he puts up five goals. Like, like he actually is a true, true lacrosse guy, which I think, you know, we have been waiting for in this yeah. position. But then when you hear him talk about all his business plans and uh, the, the, the way he talks about the growth and his patience. And I think that's the big thing that have, that I've taken away from, from all his conversations is, He's not one of these guys that come in and and are expecting major turnaround or turnover and have all these incredible ideas off the hop. Like he has done a really good job in his first couple of months coming in, 
learning, having conversations, because that's so important. It is so important to listen to those who have been entrenched with the game, who have been invested in the game, listening to those things instead of just coming in and here are all my ideas. Here's how we're going to turn this thing around. Here's what it's not that. Yeah. He's of course he has really brilliant ideas because you're hearing him talk about those things, but it's of a much more calm, cool, calculated approach to how he has come. And I think he's done a tremendous job. I'm really, really pleased with how everything from the conversations on podcast to broadcast to, and then just chats with him as well. Um, I think the league is in great hands with Mr. Fruit. Yeah. He, he didn't come in and try to rock the boat or, or reinvent the wheel. Right. He understood that. Okay. We've got the product already. Let's just see how it runs. He just kind of is sitting in the background for those first little few months and weeks, just kind of, like I said, having those conversations, sitting in on meetings, seeing how things are working, what needs to be changed. You know, he doesn't see the need to expand too frequently. You know, if we get to 16, great, but his focus is on these 15 teams that are in the league right now, making them all strong um, and, you know, creating better relationships. Obviously the relationship with the PLL is a huge one and getting to play on Memorial day weekend, the comments he made, about playing on Memorial Day weekend and how it was strategically planned is brilliant mm-hmm. because all those people are already watching lacrosse throughout the day on ESPN. Why not tag team it with evening games of NLL action? It is just so smart and so well thought out. Um, it just it just shows to everybody that he has the future of the NLL right at the top of his mind. And I think so far he's done an incredible job. So uh, it was and, great catching up with him in Halifax or in, in Toronto. Like I said, he was there pregame, spent the half there, uh, and then hopped in the car, went down the highway across the border and checked out the Bandits game. So he, he's getting out and about and he's talking to fans and players and he's getting to know these markets. Like he said to me, he loved Halifax. He wished he could have stayed a couple extra days there. Um, just because he really enjoyed the people there and, and how much the game meant. So it's awesome to see him getting out and just being around and, and not really trying to meddle too much, just making sure everything is being run copacetic. And you mentioned one thing there, which kind of just triggered something in my mind. The fact that, yes, he has the the growth of the league at the forefront, but it's also the growth of of the game. Like mm-hmm. he he talks about growing the game of lacrosse and and the grassroots levels of these uh, American-born box players, but also having, you know, the I don't want to say humility, but the lack of ego to put things aside and be like, listen, P- PLL is a thing; they're not going away. Yeah, no need to just bash heads with these guys. Let's work with them. Yeah. Let's make this work. Oh, the NCAA. Uh, the college games are on this weekend. Wow. We want to be the big show in town. We don't need, we don't want to go head to head with them. It's like, we're not going to go head to head. We're going to piggyback off them because there are a, there are half a million of lacrosse fans watching this, this weekend that probably don't watch NLL. Well, if the broadcast is going on and they tease, don't forget, tune in at 7 o'clock. The Buffalo Bandits are yeah. taking on the Colorado Mammoth in game one of the NLL finals. And, you know, having a halftime feature rolled 
uh, of like a preview of the game or a feature on Dylan Ward or whatever it may be. Yeah. Because the rights are right there with ESPN. It is so smart, and I'm not too sure if there are people, um, not even in that position, but people who are in power positions to recognize that sometimes you have to think of the greater good of the game and the greater good of the league, and sometimes you have to think outside of the box, and that's exactly what it was there. Uh, The Colorado Mammoth aren't really thinking too far out of the box when they decided to pick up Reese Dutch. Um, we were curious as where he might land and we both kind of suspected that it would probably take a week or two after teams realize what they had or what they didn't have. Uh, but it's at the stake of Austin Murphy who gets released from Colorado, but Dutchie is now a mammoth, um, and he's four points shy uh, of a thousand. So we could get that this weekend when he goes, uh, actually they have this weekend off. So he's got a little time. To, to get used to that environment, but congrats to Dutchie on being back in the NLL. That's great for the Mammoth and for him. It's it's huge, and let's be honest, um, the offense very underwhelming for Colorado. Yeah. Uh, the righties outside of, uh, you know, a couple of goals from Zed Williams, um, and I think Brett McIntyre maybe had three points. It was underwhelming. Uh, Austin yeah. Murphy just one assist. I, I, I don't think Burke had any points. Um, um, Burke had gotta, none, Murphy had none, McIntyre went one and two, and Zed was two and oh. So that's your righties right there. Yeah, just not a lot of output. No, and 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 you know, you know the lefties are gonna heat up at some point. You know Connor Robinson's gonna get his, you know, Eli McLaughlin's going to be I mean, McLaughlin still had hit five assists on, on times, six yeah. goals, right? Yeah. So um he the lefties are going to heat up. There was a lot of unknowns with that righty. Well, mm-hmm. what's one thing you know about Reese Dutch? Doesn't matter what team he's played for, when he's played. The guy can put the ball in the net. The guy can set up plays. Like he yeah. is a perennial scorer in this league, and he's proved time and time again. So why do you not go out and get a consistent veteran? He can slow things down. He can be a leader in that locker room. Um, it's a no-brainer to me. It's mm-hmm. an absolute no-brainer. And you and I said it. There are probably a lot of teams that were kind of thinking, oh, maybe we should pick them up. Um, but just numbers game, let's sit, let's wait what happened. And I think the Colorado Mammoth realized, like, there can't be too much sitting around here with how good this West Conference looks, with Saskatchewan yeah. getting better, with, with you know, with Calgary, obviously a team that thinks that they should be back in the postseason. There's not much room for error early on, and they're going to have to stay afloat while some of their big names are out to start the year. So I'm excited to see what he can do with that offense. Um, Some other big news out of the NLL. Kevin Finneran going to have his number 11 retired by the Philadelphia Wings. Uh, Kevin Finneran, one of the greatest NLL Americans um, and one of the great NLL players as he has been pseudo-inducted into the NLL Hall of Fame. Uh, What an honor for one of the NLL's greats and, and a former Ironman in the NLL as well. Cross was... A teammate of mine in Anaheim, he just loved playing the game. He played it the right way. He was very crafty and skilled. And one of the real first American forwards to have a lot of success in both the original MILL and then into the NLL. It's it's awesome to see some of these teams um, retiring numbers, and I know not. I, I don't know how many teams. This is probably something I should have looked up. Um, <laughs> you know, before 
uh, bringing this up, but not a ton of teams do do retire numbers. Um, I know Philadelphia certainly is one of them. I know Toronto has a select few, but I would like to see more teams do things like this. Um, you know, I think Toronto's Doyle, his seven, Bob Watson's 29, and Jim Veltman's 32 is retired. The shooter, um, shooter's not retired. Shooter's not retired, but I was going to say, like, I could see, you know, his number retired yeah. in Toronto. Maybe a Pat Coyle's number yeah, um, so retired well, in Toronto. So, Finn, uh, Philly's got Elliot and Marichuk and Bergie. Uh, they'll now have uh, Finner, and Toronto's got those four guys. Um... I believe Georgia, did Georgia not retire a few numbers this past weekend? Yeah, but no, yeah. did they retire their numbers or did their players just retire? Like, did they retire Halsey's 44? I thought that's what, or maybe they were just honored before the game, but my yeah, they were just honored for their service okay. and, and retirement. I don't think those numbers were retired. Um, I think Caleb's number nine might be retired in Calgary. Um, but yeah, that's really about it. Uh, no, Colorado's got a few as well. Prouder and Junior, maybe Langtree. But yeah, I think you know, a lot the of these teams are still bandits, fairly young, I know, right? What's that? Yeah, of course. I know the Bandits have some numbers. Yeah, Bandits got as well. uh, Richie's numbers there, Darius's number. So yeah, there, there are teams that are doing it, but you know, so many teams now are still fairly young. Mm-hmm. They don't have a super deep, rich history. But I think you're right. Um, that does need to happen more, but... Uh, it will happen as the years go on. But congratulations to Kevin Finneran. Hopefully one day we'll be able to actually induct him and the rest of that class truly mm-hmm. into the NLL Hall of Fame. And then the other big news from the NLL, uh, we didn't get Miramar, uh, which we're all really hoping for, you know, have an NLL game on an Air Force base. But we are getting an NLL outdoor game in San Diego uh, in the beginning of March. Desert Dogs and Seals at dragon was a snapdragon stadium in san diego so we are finally getting it um are you pro this or negative this because i have seen both sides of the coin much like the bandit fans were bitching and complaining um (laughs) about matt vince i actually saw people bitching and complaining about us having an outdoor game i can't believe that like i know yeah it was fun Friend of the program, Dan Arestia, making his his outdoor lacrosse jokes, which is which again, that's that that's funny. I'm I, I I'm fine with those jokes, but what like what's the reason? Why would you not like this idea? This is awesome. If there's any way to grow the game and try something unique, like this is awesome. Yeah, like it's it's not Miramar, which would have been really cool to be, uh, you know, on a, a military base, but. Yeah. This is in a football stadium that holds about 35,000 people. I mean, yeah, are they going to sell out that place? Probably not, but there's a good chance we might have a new NLL attendance record, um, you know, it, depending on how many how many tickets they sell or whatever. Like, there's an opportunity for it. Yeah. Is it going to happen? Probably not, but still, like, the fact that you're in a massive, beautiful new building and you're outdoors in San Diego, so you know weather is not going to be an yeah. issue. Like I don't know why you you could possibly possibly be be negative. Uh, yeah, about like this. The, like let's, let's get this straight. They're they're not playing field across. They're going to put boards down. They're going to have the turf down. They're it's going to be an indoor game outdoors. And you know, people are well, we already have that. And why would you take an outdoor game, put it indoors, and then take it back to like? 
get over it, man. Like this is an outstanding opportunity. We've all wanted this. And I, I truly think this may be an American sort of feeling because all of us in Canada grew up playing the box game. And originally the box game, we all played it outdoors anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's very much a throwback for all of us. Um, but I think, you know, once they build it that, you know, they build the the box and they put it down there on the turf, it's going to look phenomenal. Like all these people probably said the same thing about doing the winter classic and the NHL outdoors. And why would they do that? Obviously also you're probably, it's always going to be, you know, a Vegas or a San Diego game because you can never really trust the weather anywhere else to be sunny enough at this time of year. But you can really start to market around other teams, the more successful this becomes. So uh, I think it is an awesome opportunity. I know Steve Govett and his people have been trying to make this happen for quite some time. Um, You know, year one, they were going to do Miramar. They wanted to do one actually on a beach somewhere. Um, But this is going to be an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal idea. And I cannot wait to see how they unveil it because it is going to be a a spectacle to be had. I'm curious if, if they'll, build um you know build seating around yeah or if it's only going to be up up top like in the actual football seating like that's what i'm curious about like yeah how exactly are you going to go go about it because i know one thing i've been to i've been to winter classic i've been to a couple actually and from a viewing standpoint it's not it's certainly not the best way yeah, to walk right there on top of it you're still like 50 yards away no matter where you're sitting but it's like you know being at the big house watching yeah. the leafs and the yeah. red wings in a big, big building on like it's more about the experience so exactly. curious to what they do here um again they're not ex- like i mean i'm expecting like it's going to be a, a pretty well attended event um but i am curious okay how are they going to go about it but uh it, it's sweet and like it kind of opens up the conversation to me like you said you got to choose somewhere where you can have an outdoor game but like it would be sweet if it las vegas i don't know if you could if they're right like, on the strip. Like, like logistically <laughs> if you could do it on the strip but like it would be sweet if you could find somewhere in like in in vegas uh to play a game like like you said there's not too too many places like i don't know you could probably do it in texas like what if you did in fort worth like you know at tcu stadium i don't know like there there's there's certainly some this opens up the door for for other teams to explore it or do you say screw it and play a game in march in toronto and it, like, is that an option? Like, I don't no, know. It is not it, an option. It, it isn't. But like, hey, like, at least, at least now that the, the the door is open, yeah, um, for other teams to explore things, some unique ways you Absolutely. can you can bring. Because let's be honest, like, this is just another way to to bring the casual sports fan in to watch this game. Yeah, I agree. Um, before we get to Ryan Keenan, I have a question for you. If you had to put all of your money right now, which one of these three teams are you taking? Toronto, San Diego, or Halifax? Oh, man. Are we talking like cool bet futures money, like uh, on the odds, or just like, hey, these three teams, doesn't matter on, on odds or whatever. Like you no, know, all, odds are, all odds are created equal right now. Okay. Are you taking oh, San man. Diego, Toronto, or Halifax to win it all? Okay, well, 
Halifax really, really impressed me. And I, I think I knew that this offense was going to be improved, um, but they blew me, blew me away with, with how good they were. But with that being said, they've looked really good early two seasons before that. And we right. saw what happened. San Diego, the offense is electric. Like they look like once they add Stotts back in there, I think they're going to be on unstoppable offensively. But I have my question marks with that defense and can Frank Chiliano go the distance and, and take this team to the next level. Toronto, I don't see many holes on that team. And I know they played a Vancouver team that hadn't played an exhibition game and they were at home. But I think I go to with Toronto, man. From the from the net out, yeah. Rose looks great. The defense looks awesome. Mitch Desnew, like, is he transition player of the year? Because he already won <laughs> defense. Now he's going to go for transition player of the year. Uh, the offense looks super dynamic. Yeah. Um, I mean, all three of those teams legitimate have it like a legit shot to win a championship. Yeah. But if if gone to my head, I think I'm going. They were my pick before this. Yeah, and they they, they showed no no reason not to believe in them. But all three teams legitimate championship contending teams. How about yourself? And, and Toronto still gets maybe gets Chris Corbeil at some point later on in the new yeah. year. Um, I'm going to go San Diego. I, I know the questions about Frank Chiliano. Uh, I have them as well, but I really feel that this is a group that has fine tuned some holes. Yeah, and. Yeah, when they get Audi back, that offense is just going to be stupid, stupid, scary. They only ran six O guys this past weekend. <laughs> yeah. And so they had the extra D guy. So they bring in Audi. They take a D guy out. That offense just becomes even scarier. And we saw that, you know, we all questioned, is there, there's only one ball. How are they all going to handle it? Well, they handled it incredibly well. Dixon played ridiculous. Crowley played unbelievable. Um, you know, Kurt, Casey Jackson w- was contributing real good. I don't know if people saw the little one-handed <laughs> inside flip that Dobie did to Jackson on a second goal, but like, it, it's just scary how seamless that offense looked in week one. And they only had like two, maybe three camps all year. Yeah. Um, and then their defense, I think they bolstered their defense. I think adding and getting Danny Logan into that group is going to be huge. Having Jesse Gamble back in that group is, I think, one of the more underrated moves that happened this year by a defensive team. Um, you know, Boudreau, not Boudreau and Barnable, uh, McCannell is now sort of fully into the NLL as a full-time defender. So this is a group um, that made some adjustments and they weren't you know, defensively, they weren't groundbreaking moves, but they were moves that bolstered what they were lacking last year. And yes, the question is, can Frankie do 18 games in a regular season plus four or five in the postseason? I think if they give him some freedom and some some rest, uh, I really think this is a team that is going to win it. So I'm going to take San Diego uh, right now, just the way that offense performed uh, and that defense looked against, you know, a team in New York that is very, very up and coming. Uh, one more. Uh, do you take Saskatchewan or Albany? Two teams that really impressed in week one. Oh man. Um, I gotta go with Saskatchewan and 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 I already, you know, gave a lot of praises to this Albany team, but I do think there are going to be a lot of ebbs and flows with this offense. Uh, I know they look really strong, um, but I think 
I think Sask is back, man. Yeah, I really do. I think they're back. If if if, if Bouquet can just he doesn't even need to be like elite. He just needs to be solid. And and we've seen him be solid. We 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 saw him. He was really really solid against Colorado. Um, but he doesn't need to be up for a goaltender of the year. He doesn't need to, to be, you know, putting up 45, 50 saves a game. That, that doesn't need to happen with this offense. Like Matthews was back to being an MVP candidate. Like Dan Littner, that was one of the best games I've seen mm-hmm. him play in, in, in a long time. Church was dialed. Keenan was great. Um, Paulus looking a yeah. lot more comfortable yeah, in that off. Austin Madronic had zero points, but he still looked pretty good. He couldn't buy one. <laughs> he, once he gets comfortable in that offense, like, and then we didn't even talk about the defense. Like the defense, exactly, right? Is that's their bread and butter. That is their bread and butter. And I think they're back. I are they going to, are they going to go on a, on a championship, you know, dynasty 2.0 run here? I don't know, but this team looks like a playoff team, and it looks like a team that can do damage. They get the Seals this weekend, so two monster interdivisional games right out of the gate. Ryan Keenan had himself a night in his first game. Three goals, three assists. That offense is clicking under Cam Sedgwick. Jimmy Quinlan still undefeated as a head coach. Let's see what Ryan Keenan has to say one-on-one right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Joined now by Ryan Keenan of the 1-0 Saskatchewan Rush. RK, how are you, buddy? Good, Teddy. How are you doing? Uh, I cannot complain. Um, some people may not know this, but you've relocated to the West Coast. How's L.A. living for you? Can't complain about uh, L.A. life, that's for sure. Um, it's in my, my office right now for my other job, and uh, it's good. Weather's good, you know, nice lifestyle. Uh, I'm enjoying it. It's been like a year and three months, so um enjoy the kind of flexibility i have with my job and my own office and uh you know the flexibility allows me to have with lacrosse and everything too uh obviously monday to friday like most nllers you have a different job than the nll so what Mm -hmm. do you do monday to friday down there in la uh so i'm a um account man or a man sales manager basically for the west coast uh for a health and beauty company so i nice uh, through distribution of product from all over the world. I basically manage accounts out here on the West Coast, and that was kind of coming out here. It worked out well that I was kind of taking over the, the Western region in the U.S., and, um, you know, we have a lot of business in, in, in L.A. particularly, so uh, I just kind of had the opportunity and uh, moved out here with my girlfriend and uh, jumped on it. So, Health and beauty pr- products, that's why Mark Matthews still looks so good, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's uh, stealing free samples from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one of the perks. A lot of a lot of free uh, free product going around. <laughs> um, obviously, a one zero start is huge for you guys. Jimmy Quinlan's now five and zero as a head coach since taking over last year. Is it starting to go to his head a bit? <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know. He's uh, he's a pretty he's a pretty humble guy. Um, it's funny, you know, like first game I could tell, you could tell like even this year, um, even though he had a few last year under his belt, he was freaking nervous. Like, I think, um, you know, the new season, him kind of, you know, taking the reins now officially. Um, but no, I mean, he's, he, he's, he's hilarious. Uh, you know, he, he's a pretty serious guy, but then, he, then all of a sudden he, he mixed in the, he'll mix in a, you know, a joke too. And, um, 
he's been awesome, man. Like he's the guys just absolutely love him. Um, we'll go to war for him. You know, he's extremely knowledgeable um, about what he's doing, but he's just a, a leader too, right? Guys want to play for him. So um, it, it's, it's been fun having him there and uh, yeah. And and then you bring in Cam Sedgwick. How has he kind of adjusted to your offense as a coach and how have you guys responded to him? Yeah, sedgy has been great. Um, it, it kind of, it's kind of brought a whole different dynamic to our offense in terms of how we, how we approach the game. Honestly, like we kind of got back to the basics a lot this year after, um, you know, uh, there was a lot of history with our, our, our team and turn in the success we had for, you know, over a decade with um, really what was a lot of, you know, Jeff McCombs, very, you know, excellent offense, very mm-hmm. structured. And, but we had a lot of guys who played together for a long time, right? You looked at those offenses back in the day, it was basically Whippy and Whitlam guys who knew how to play in structure right from a young age very well. And, um, you know, last year, a lot of new faces. And, and I feel like it was, it was tough for it all to gel um, quite a bit. And um, we really, with Cam this year, have kind of gotten back to just the basics, the flow and the structure of our offense and the spacing uh, before getting too technical. And, uh, and he's been great at, at putting it in and, you know, he's been a great communicator and um, obviously I, I think some early success has, has, uh, has shown that it's, it's working with him. Yeah, did you think it was going to go as well in that first game? Like y- you guys seemed as if you were playing June lacrosse early December. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. It, I don't know what happened. I don't think anyone maybe expected that especially against you know going against Dylan Ward and, and that D that just won a championship um but but we're, we're confident going into the year like we we had a good preseason things were clicking so you know it, we really kind of I look back on a lot of the you know last year just the just the failures and it was you almost like kind of have to laugh because it really kind of, a lot of times didn't make sense like what was going on we still felt all the pieces were there and just didn't gel. And, um, you know, this year has just been, I think guys are, guys are playing more confidence together and that showed in game one. Again, you know, it's just, it's just the first game, but uh, obviously a pretty uh, successful start on offense. You mentioned some of the new faces. Marshall Palace played in a handful of games for you guys last year. Didn't really kind of seem comfortable in the NLL because it was a big jump for him. That first game this past weekend, it looked like he was a four or five year veteran in the league. How nice is it to see the progression that he's made in such a short time span? Yeah. And I mean, you see the raw talent and we saw that last year. Like it's, he's ridiculous. Like the shit, he, the shit he's pulling in practice, like, <laughs> um, you know, with behind the back and one hands and reverse backhands. Like it, it's, it's stuff that we kind of chuckle at because no one else can do it. Yeah. But um, obviously, yeah, last year, I think coming in for him, it was a bit of, you know, just playing, playing with men, right. Playing at that professional level, getting used to the speed of the game. It, it was, I think a lot for him and um, it, it's tough on a lot of guys. Like it was, it was tough to adjust my, my rookie year too. just mm-hmm. the pace of that game and the strength of guys on D and he worked at it a lot. I think, you know, he's always had the skill, but I think he, he got in the, he got in the gym in the off season and got stronger. Um, so he's playing harder in the middle, setting, you know, hard picks and getting in the dirty areas. And, um, that's what you have to be like to play in our offense. So, and then obviously bringing in a familiar face like uh, Marty Dinsdale has to kind of, you know, 
it almost seems like you guys missed him while he was gone. He was sort of that integral cog that really did a lot for your offense and not a lot of people really realized how important he was. And now he's back. It's almost like he never left. Yeah, I think he's a guy that is just always kind of flying, flown under the radar, right, in the league. And, um, you know, when they had kind of in the – a lot of those championship years when it was kind of uh, Benny Mack, Robert, uh, Curtis Knight, and Marty, he would kind of be fall under the radar there, obviously. But he played – like, he grew up playing with Robert and, and Benny Mack, right, like their whole lives. And they just – like, you know, Robert was – extremely excited to have him back. They, they just have a chemistry that's off the charts and, and he's still like, he's, he's a freaking good player. Like he's yeah. like, he just always knows where to be, to be in the right spots. He plays in the dirty areas and it always, you know, it didn't always, he'd always kind of be a guy in previous where he, you know, have one or two goals a game, you know, never the guy with the ball on a stick. But I think even now more he's, he's, you can see that. I think he had like eight points, like he's stepping into, and now coming back to the team a little more of a, uh, a leadership role there. You guys were really trying to get Austin Madron at that goal at the end of the game. You yeah. could just see it. You know, he, he was snake bit. I saw him in the airport coming home and you could just see, he's like, oh man, they were trying. And I, I wanted that first one, but yeah. now that he's, you know, he, he's had that first game, but he, he had a really good camp and he really impressed in that opening few weeks. What's it like to see a guy like him that, you know, hasn't played a lot of box in the last couple of years because of COVID mm-hmm. in school, but really a guy that's fit in quite well. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, yeah, you say he hasn't played a lot of box and, um, you know, living in the U.S. I think there was, you know, probably a, a bit of nerves w- with him too coming into camp. Like it's, it's obviously, you know, a big stage and getting drafted high, but we've seen it, you know, we, we saw it. it was like that. He had one game like that in camp. And then the next game against Toronto, he was, he was incredible. Like mm-hmm. he just kind of, uh, you could see him kind of playing a little more confidence and opening up and that, and that's going to come for sure. Um, you know, but he just did, he, he does a ton of the little things really well. And we love, like he just, he knows he's extremely smart and, um, and plays hard. And, and he's, you know, when he gets inside, like he, he basically finishes it seems like he finishes everything so it's going to come for him right it's just um getting used to the the, the speed and the strength of the game and um yeah it'll uh i'm looking forward to him kind of growing throughout the but year he, he's got a lot of tools too so he can yeah. play in multiple dis- different situations for you guys yeah and like even you know like he he, he didn't find the back of the net and and you know in a game we scored a lot of goals but I think he drew three penalties, right? Yeah. Last game. And then we, and then we scored on all those power plays. So it's those little things like he's, you know, responsible getting back. He can play defense. Um, so that, that's, that's things we really, that are really important for us. One of the things I've noticed over the last few years um, is teams doing set plays out of TV timeouts. How much does that play into your guys weekly um, preparation for games? Yeah, it's a lot. Um, you know, in years past, I would say it's like things would be like drawn up to an absolute T and be automatic. This year, it's a little more um, playing with like just a bit of more flow, like I said, with Seji. But, um, you know, we really try and have something drawn up when we come out of there. Uh, usually early in the year, though, we're keeping things pretty, pretty simplistic as the weeks go on. We'll kind of graduate and develop more more things and um you know get away from the basics once we you know teams start preparing uh more for that so um 
Yeah, I'd say that's something actually we we didn't do very well with this week is scoring 18 goals. If there's one thing that we weren't really on the same page is um, is is coming out and, and doing well out of our TV timeouts. Um, so that's something you know we'll we'll work on and prepare for this weekend. Obviously, you know people look at the San Diego lineup and and they're an offensive juggernaut, but that that defense has been solid for the last couple of years, backstopped by Frankie. Uh, what problems do they pose for you guys uh, and the offense this weekend? Yeah, they, they they play differently, right? They like they played kind of totally different than um, Colorado kind of would play. Um, they really funnel a lot low and, and give up, you know, kind of borderline chances. A lot of them for for Frankie and rely on Frankie to make a lot of saves. Um, so we kind of got to attack them with a different approach, and and we've had. We've had a lot of success in them. We've had games where we struggled a lot, um, a bit of both last year. So um, I, I think we have a really good idea of, of, of what we need to need to do to attack them. So uh, on the back end, Dilksey's now your guys' captain, and it's obviously tough to fill the shoes of a guy like Chris Corbeil. But early on, how has Dilksey been as a leader for, for this group? Oh, he's he's been he's been incredible, Dilksey. Yeah, he's he's just an absolute beauty. Um, the guys love him. He's, um, you know, I, I don't know how the guy has two kids in a in a you know in a firefighting job because it seems all he does is you know come up with with pranks and, and memes and things to to mess around with the guys. It's basically like his his third job. So um, he's pretty funny and he's you know I, I think the guys just all love him and want to play for him and he's now been you know a lot more vocal and. Uh, and when he needs to be getting the guys fired up and uh, and does little, little things really well, you know, checks in with guys during the week and, and make sure everyone's good. So it's been uh, so far all, all great with Dilksey. What's the best prank he's pulled so far? Um, um, got a thing. Um, I don't know. Come back to me on that. I'll, I'll <laughs> uh, we'll come back to you. Um, Alex Bouquet was a big acquisition for you guys. And, you know, there was a lot of talk last year about your goaltending situation. Mm-hmm. You had some up and comers in, uh, in some of the young guys and Lane Rushka and Cam Dunkerley. Um, you went through Adam shoot and Penny's been there, uh, but you've played with him in junior with Whippy and obviously everyone thrilled for him in that win. how do you feel he played in his rush debut? Um, I mean, extremely good. You know, he's, he's uh, really like, I've always really liked Buki. You know, I played with him in junior since, you know, when he won the Minto in 2013, he was incredible that year. And he's really, I, I think he's kind of gotten a bad rap a bit through the years playing on some, you know, some poor defenses and, um, and, and just some, some tough luck. But he's been, you look at the preseason in practice, like he's been incredible all throughout. Like there's been no, there's been no, um, you know, bad spots there. So he was really good. He just he saw the ball really well, made all the saves he needed to make, and um, he was really good. And you know, we're we're confident with 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 uh, Penny right behind him as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, two Western Giants to start for you guys right right out of the gate. It's a great litmus test for this group that probably underachieved last year and really feel that you have a lot to prove. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, Two big games to start the year. I, I know we, we got one out of the way, but this is this is a big one on a short week, right? Most guys traveling um, far away to San Diego for a Friday night game. So 
it's a big test and and it's it's a big one because we don't play i think till yeah we don't play till new year's eve after this so it's a long break and uh get two and oh out of the gate would be huge uh wins in the division are always massive uh especially since you're a west coast guy so you really bleed that west coast love uh i appreciate you my man always good catching up with you uh good luck this weekend we'll chat soon yeah thanks teddy appreciate it All right, there is Ryan Keenan, and this, you know, I really wish he would have given us some of the pranks that Dilksy's got, but we'll have to get some of those secrets from the road a little bit later on. But the bond of this team has been around for quite some time, and even, you know, Jimmy Quinlan is an original member of the franchise way back when they were in Edmonton, and he has seen the cult culture change through this organization and now it's guys like ryan keenan and kyle rubish and mike messenger and mark matthews who are the leaders of this group it is quite a change um, in some personnel areas but this team like you said there's still a lot of members from that dynasty in this group that know what it takes and two wins out of the gate would be huge and and that is the scary thing uh, about this this team is that you have the guys that have championship pedigree, like you mentioned, but then you sprinkle in like the youth movement yep. on this team, Bobby kid, the third Connor McClelland. Um, you know, I thought, you know, Jake Boudreau looked great in his debut. Holden Garland just continues to get, get better and better. Like this, this is a team. And, and again, getting Marty Dinsdale back is massive. That's huge, like, man. So like, yeah, you know what? It's great. Eight points, three goals, five assists. Like, I don't know how many eight point nights um, Dinsdale is going to put up, but that's not why they brought him back to be, to be an eight point a night guy or to, to, to lead them in scoring or be close near the top. They brought him back for him crashing and banging, getting the ball out of his stick quick, freeing up space for other guys. And when he does get the ball on the stick, he can prove that he can score. Um, like I think, I think getting him back is just an absolute game changer to that offense. And we know it's not the same offense that they've been running for years. It's similar. It's a little bit different, but just having that, that comfort blanket, having those familiar faces on the offense uh, certainly made a big difference. And I think it's going to continue to make a difference. That's why I think they're back, man. As long as bouquet or penny, like that's the thing. If bouquet falls off the face of the earth, like at least you have penny, but yeah, just one of these guys, you, I cannot stress it enough. Just don't stink. Just don't <laughs> stink. Just be solid. That's yeah. all it is. That's all this team needs because I do truly believe they're defensively. They're going to, they're going to give up the shots. They want to that, that their goaltenders are going to want to see their offense is going to put up enough where the defense just needs to hold things down. Like, man, I know it's, I know it's overreaction uh, Monday. Well, it's not Monday, but everyone <laughs> had their hot takes on Monday yeah. of who who's good. Who's not, but this is the one overreaction that i'm willing to make because i just it, it looked a lot like that that sask team that used to give teams nightmares week after yeah. week uh sask san diego 7 p.m pacific time down there in pachanga arena vegas we finally get to see the desert dogs they take on panther city 5 30 p.m pacific 
8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Toronto at Rochester is on Saturday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. And then the TSN Game of the Week, Vancouver at Calgary, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, 9.30 p.m. Eastern. What do you expect out of this Vegas club in week one? Compete. And I know it's cliche, but I do think this team's going to compete night in and night out, and especially in this opener. Any person you talk talk to, whether it's, you know, with us, with with King a couple of weeks ago, or, you know, having conversations with Joel Watson, or, you know, hearing Rob Hellier talk about this group, um, there's a lot of buy-in, and there's a lot of guys that have chips on their shoulder that felt, you know, that they should have been protected. And then you have guys that wanted to be here that asked for trades or that did sign in the off season. So, you know, belief is, is a really scary thing. Like if everyone can believe and buy in, like it, it, it can, you can accomplish some really great things. And on paper, are they the best team in the West? Definitely not. But like, this isn't, a walkover team by any stretch of the imagination. Like there are some good pros on this team. I'm mm-hmm. excited to see what they look like offensively. You ask what I, what you can expect. Well, defensively, I think they're going to be strong offensively. I'm excited to see what they can do. I think Hellier is going to have a, a massive year. Mm-hmm. I think he's really going to have a big year. Every single clip that their social media team throws out there and kudos uh, to them because they've been pumping out some great content. But like every play that the it just like the ball's in hellier stick. He's he's directing traffic. He's scoring goal. Like you know, taking the ball. Then like uh, I know he's always been a, you know a, a number one or a one A one B in Toronto. Uh, but now he is truly going to be that floor general on that team. And and you know, being coached by a guy like Sean Williams, like I'm really excited to see what he can do with this offense. Panther City is a team that is coming off a expansion season where they almost made the playoffs they went on a heck of a run down the stretch what are the expectations for season two let's ask steve told defensive coordinator of panther city lacrosse club right here on the off the crossbar podcast joined now by defensive coordinator panther city steve toll tour how the hell are you brother i'm doing well thanks fellas no i'm glad to be here and i uh, just arrived here in panther city with tk so Getting excited for Friday. Yeah, you guys uh, got in a couple nights early. Get to get the lay of the land. How is Fort Worth this time of year? That looks. It was about. I think it's about seventy-four. It's nice right now. I was like trying to find the weather, then do the conversion. I hate doing the conversion. Hey, eh? when you're back home, it's like <laughs> okay, add double it, add thirty. Where am I now? It's like ah, oh. I just pack a couple pairs of shorts either time. Anyways, it doesn't go from there. <laughs> Uh, but that move unpacking as soon as you get to the hotel. Yeah. Uh, and will, uh, well, I obviously I roomed with Willie for like eight years and we always, the first thing we always do, it was funny. We had a routine, like it was nobody other be like, we come in the hotel, we'd unpack. I would go get ice. He would find the beer store and we'd have it on ice. Like we had our routine down to a T like we didn't even talk. Literally. It was just, okay, you go there. I go there and we're gone. Yeah. It was pretty funny. <laughs> I love that. I love that. We're obviously going to get into uh, you versus Willie this weekend, but you meant, or I, I think Teddy said something about Fort Worth this time of year. Is there a little bit of a buzz going around the city with Texas Christian University making the CFB playoff or what? Oh, but it, but it's, it's absolutely nuts. Like even last time we were here for 
when we had camp here was three weeks ago, they had a, they had a home game and like literally every bar we tried to get in, just watch the game and you couldn't like it is, it's big time now. Some of the boys actually that live down here and working down here, they've been going down there and that's where they hand out tickets down there. Eh? seems Mark. to be handing out more to the girl section than the boys. <laughs> section, they're trying smart. to do their job. Yeah. <laughs> well, smart, smart guys indeed. But yeah, the horn frogs are, are on a run right oh, yeah. now. And hopefully you guys can, can feed off that energy home opener this weekend the expectations last year i think externally from this this team was you know it's a an ex- it's an expansion team we'll see what happens but from talking with you talking to tk and even some players on this team you guys had higher expectations than what a normal expansion team would have would you say i think we had we, we think we had high expectations obviously too you and obviously they kind of got, they took a hit early in the expectation department early on this season. But I mean, again, like you're going with players that like, you know what I mean? We're aware on their depth chart and pretty much they didn't want. So now you got to mold them back in, into where, you know what boys, we want you. And, and like, so it's all TK's credit. I mean, the culture that he's built within the boys and trusting the systems and being prepared. It's, it's what made that, run go back we made a couple little changes to the defense one little glint to the offense and next thing you know we're getting 20 in Colorado and our defense is starting to play play the way they can so it, it, it was expectations but again like you know fellas you know I mean same boat we're all competitors and huh, we all hate to lose you know what I mean it's plain and simple do whatever it takes you know what I mean get me the dub and I'm willing to do whatever it takes that way so I think expectations are same I mean going in this year I think we'll be expectations are there but again I mean it's second year, but we want to succeed higher for sure. How many dinners has uh new OC Kyle Goundry had to buy as the rookie? Yeah, buddy, I know. He, <laughs> I'm making him pay his price. I mean, Teeter was really good. That was the best though when we were on our winning streak because he'd have to buy breakfast and I would go to town on breakfast. <laughs> Wherever town I'm like, you want the buffet? Yes, we do. So he was in a bad boat, but I already told Goundry he's got a fuel rule. He'll see in what bed I tell him. He's got to follow my rules for sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, you guys have built this culture early on and now it's your second year. How has he adapted to uh, an NLO coach and how have the players responded to him? Well, you know him. I mean, he, he's got a lot of similarities of us. I mean, he, He's a great guy. Like, I really didn't know him that much. TK obviously played with him in Calgary, and I trusted TK bringing him in because of, of what he brings. And uh, he's fit right in with the guys, right in with us. The boys, uh, the guys love him. Um, as you know, Teddy, you know him better. I mean, he yeah. he's just a good dude. He's uh, He knows when to have fun, but he's serious. And and he, from coaching standpoint, I didn't know – you know what I mean? What he, where he's coached before, but he's uh, his X's and O's and his film have been right on so far. And uh, TK hasn't had to lay the hammer down on him, so he must be doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, you guys make obviously s- some changes. Uh, you know, bringing in uh, Jonathan Donville on the offense, but but the defense, a couple of big moves as well. Uh, Tony Malcolm hops on this back end. What what excites you about a player like like Tony Malcolm? Wow. I mean, just like I, you watch him on film and obviously you talk around and you hear things, but seeing him live, I mean, he, he's fast, like he's real fast Mm -hmm. and his, like his get going speed is really good. And 
I mean, knock on wood right now, he's hot on breakaways. I said, you're not quite up to my percentage yet, Mel. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but again, again, just a, I mean, obviously now the brothers, I mean, they're loving it being, you mean, on the same team. What two brothers wouldn't love playing a professional sport together? So when you bring in a, a guy like that and Will Malcolm does what he does last year and now he's going to be, he's loving life even more. It's a no-brainer situation. But no, uh, Tony back there is legit and uh, obviously veteran leadership, but just his, just the way he takes off and he can lose balls too. I know coaches all over him for his one hand, but I said, I don't care. He can scoop up with no hands. He gets four goals a game. He, I don't care what hand he picks the ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ronan Push was a guy that impressed during the Minto Cup run for – uh, you know, the, the Alberta side of the draft. And you guys did a lot of that. Um, you guys obviously have um, Jordan Cornfield, who is a big influence um, for your organization. And you went out and got Matthew Gauthier, and you also got Ronan Push. How have you been impressed with their jump and their early season looks? Well, well, the, we call him the GOAT just because Gauthier. So we just call him the GOAT. But uh, he's oh, that's a lot of, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, we said not that way, but yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, he plays the same way he did the middle cup, man. Like, even our first camp, like, he was getting loose balls going against two, like, you know what I mean? He's going against Burns and Hasek, and all of a sudden, he's coming up with the loose ball. And he's just a great kid that's willing to learn, and you see him. And, too, like I said, like, I don't know which way, how he always gets open, but when you watch video, he sets his pick, and he, he's just got to work on once he sets it, to make that proper stride way, but he's been, uh, he's been real well. And, uh, and Pushy, I mean, he obviously, he impressed me and Hamley. We went to watch obviously every middle cup game and he takes face offs. He's big, he's tough, he's strong. I just think the upside him, as Hammer said, we call him, we, we think he's a future Derek Suds. That's who he reminds me of. Ah, nice. Yeah. Yeah, but he, I said one thing though, he's got a, his stride's got to be about three feet longer. Yeah, though. yeah. Then we can yeah. call him Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can uh, I can attest to that, Teddy uh, Toller uh, and, and Hammer. I think they had the most minutes in the arena in in the Minto Cup. I was there for a lot of the games, and and those guys were right in front of me. They they did a lot of scouting, so I, I can attest to that for sure. Um, a guy, let's, I mean, we, we we could talk about this offense, but of course, it, you know, the defense is your domain. And I think there is a lot of talk about how good this offense is going to look. And I think your defense is going to be going under the radar. So a guy who I think has kind of gone under the radar his entire career and is possibly going to have his first opportunity to have a home is uh, Brooker Meir. Um, you know, a guy that's had some opportunities, you know, he yeah. cr- cracks the opening day roster for you guys. You know, what did he do in camp to make you guys say, all right, he, he's got to be there? He, he really kind of, like, to be honest with you, he kind of did a little bit of everything. You know what I mean? Like, he was, he's fast. He, and then even too, like, we didn't know the last game when we, second half, we sat out Burton and Haas, and he took faceoffs and he did well. You know what I mean? He, mm-hmm. He's one of those guys, again, like I, I said to these guys when we were watching him, he grew on us and grew on us. And then you're just like, it's just one of those guys that you honestly feel in your heart. He just maybe given the proper opportunity in a proper situation, he can just take off. And mm-hmm. and that's really what we think with him is he just needed right situation, right time, a little bit of confidence. I, 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 I tell him he's got my full support and you know what I mean? And I think too, with him too, is it's just making good decisions. Uh, he yeah. can score goals. He can score. He can definitely score goals. Maybe it's, it's like we say, sometimes he gets a little, 
little too gung ho and makes a little maybe the bad play with the ball. But obviously, things we're going to work on him with. But no, tons of upside. I mean, he's a specimen. He's he's yeah. he's just. I mean, fitness is ridiculous. Uh, good team guy that way. Does all, checks all the boxes that TK makes sure that they do before they come in. And he really he's just a good kid. And I mean, like I said, here's your opportunity, buddy. Run with it. Why was getting a guy like Nate Wade uh, an important piece for you guys? Well, uh, like we said last year, even, like, uh, I mean, it, it's hard coming from me because I never cross-checked or did anything tough in my life. But when, when, you, <laughs> when, you watch, when you watch other teams play, they're really hard to play against. And we just felt we weren't hard to play against. And to be truthfully honest, last year, one of the reasons we got Wade was a couple boys kind of challenged our bench and, no one really stepped up and you know, I mean, it's certain guys challenging the bench. Yeah. I, you know, maybe got to take one for the team. And I think this year, not just with Wade, but even with Burton, I think we got a couple mm-hmm. of guys now where if things get a few, if Dondo's getting slashed or Melks is getting slashed, we can send a couple guys down there and say, Hey, you got to answer the bell here. Or, you know what I mean? That type of thing. But no, I've been, I've been super impressed with Wade. Obviously we're going to keep things simple with them. At the back end, you're not going to expect him to do too much. We're just going to expect him to be solid cross-checking guy, play tough, and if something happens, he knows he has to get his nose dirty for if he wants to stay in the league. And it is what everyone's got their different style. You know what I mean? Tony Malcolm's got to get breakaways. He's got to protect his boys that way. So it's all different little scenarios like that. But again, uh, TK had him in Philly, so he knew about him. And Hammer obviously did his homework, and we've been nothing but exceptionally happy with Nate Wade. Josh Medeiros had a, a really strong rookie season for you guys. And again, one of these guys that I think maybe didn't have quite as big expectations from, from outside of the organization. Where do you see his ceiling in this league? Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. I was almost going to say like on some of those things, he was, should have been getting some rookie consideration. He was like, he was real good for us. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously going into camp, Teeter, Teeter was the guy saying, we got to sign this guy. And Hammer's like, okay. And really from day one, he was really good. And literally, like, like he went from probably being 8, 9, 10 on the depth chart to probably my 3-4 slot. And then yeah. just, I mean, knock on wood, he's real good on breakaways too as well. But again, he does all the little things well. And again, right place, right time, taking advantage. Like I said to him, like, you got to keep, you could have a long career or you could have a short career, but you got to, you can't be complacent, right? You, you're here, you got to get higher and higher. And to me, He's right. He's not far behind Malcolm, in my opinion, being like a transition, maybe like a guy for transition player of the year. He's got that much talent if he wants it. Another rookie whose name was uh, getting a lot of votes uh, at the end of the year was Patrick Dodds. And his summer didn't end the way he wanted it to. And, you know, he would probably attest to not having the greatest of tournaments as much as he tried to carry that team on his shoulders. How much of a chip on his shoulder do you think there is coming into this year after the you know, the winter that he had and then the summer that he had? Oh, I, I mean, again, I don't do tons of the offensive stuff, but I do talk to him, obviously, and you can see the chip on his shoulder. And realistically, to be honest, he should have a chip on his shoulder. You know what I mean? He was he got 70, 70, 78 points in the NLL, and he got like 15, 16 in the middle comp. I mean, he, he knows he should have dominated there, and, I mean, he had a pretty good team. Like you said, we watched all those games, and if a couple of them would have went in here or there, they, they could have been right there, you know what I mean, in my opinion. And I think now, too, he's realizing, too, like, and this is a league, like you said, 78 points, but all of a sudden you bring in Donville. All of a sudden you got Milligan. Like, 
You know, I mean, you can't take anything for granted mm-hmm. in this league because next thing you know, you could be the fourth rating instead of being the second rating. And we have a culture on our team where it's like we're playing to win every game. So if you're not playing well, then unfortunately you're not going to be in the lineup. But I mean, again, Dodsey's Dodsey's got a great future, and he's a young kid, and it is what it is. And I know Teddy loves the Victoria boy, so I like <laughs> him too. So I'm not saying anything bad against him ever. <laughs> You've been around a lot of special players um, and they always have, you know, that it factor. It's just, there's just something about them that, that makes them special from the small sample size that you've seen Jonathan Donville at practice. Does, does he have what it takes to be the guy? Yeah, he does. And, and to be honest, I mean, I had him his first year junior Mimico. Right. Uh, And when I coached him there, he won every race and he's not the fastest guy. And he was, if we did like down and back five times, he'd be the first guy like he, and I said to TK, that's why one of the reasons, yeah, he's not only a great player, but his work ethic is unbelievable. And that's the part that got me in Mimico with him. And he's just striving to be that. And, and I think that's what you see here. Like, Obviously, for not gonna lie, first day of camp, he couldn't hit a soccer net. <laughs> like TK's like, yeah, looking at me like, oh boy. But then obviously he hadn't played he hadn't played box lacrosse in how many years, right? Like, yeah. so it was that thing. And 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 like Hammer said, he like we put it, he missed the first weekend, he missed by five feet. Second weekend it was by three feet. Then he hit the goalpost and he decided to score three. So we're yeah, he he's the least of our worries, but again. Um, he does have the it factor that way again. Is he going to, but to, to be honest, I don't think he's the it factor where he's going to get you Jeff Teat numbers. He's right. going to do a lot of other little things here and there. He'll get you. I think I'm going to say if I was guessing 70 to between 70 and 85 points, that would be my prediction, but he does all those little things. Like I can guarantee if he stays here in Panther city for the next four years, he's captain in four years guaranteed. You know, I mean, those type of leadership qualities that he has. He's just he's just born that way and just he continues to keep striving and the leadership qualities you can just hear there. Friday night, he will go up, as you will, against your good buddy Sean Williams and the uh, – why can't I say their name? The Vegas Desert Dogs. Um, how many texts back and forth have you and Willie shared chirping each other uh, since you knew that the season Oprah was going to be between you two guys? It hasn't been that much. I'm not going to lie. We are, we spent a lot, obviously, you know, we spent a lot of times at each other's houses. There's a lot of dinners and it kind of, kind of where it came for real that we were playing each other. The conversation of kind of got stopped. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to lie. When he left the room, I tried to peek a little note at his notebook that he'd be lying. <laughs> I give a little open. Oh, that's not my book. That's your book, Willie. My bad. But, uh, no, it was, uh, it honestly is that, I mean, obviously I respect him tons and, I'm sure it's mutual that way. So it's a, it's a game that way. And then now he's, he hired Mojo, my assistant coach in St. Catharines. We've had pretty much yep. more chirps than uh, Willie and I had, because it's obviously, it's all business, but again, you know, lacrosse guys, I mean, hopefully we win, but win or lose, you know, we're going to have a beer together and hang out and talk about it and then battle again all next Friday again. How difficult is it? Uh, and you guys had the luxury of it last season, but uh, how difficult is it to game plan for an expansion team where there's not a lot of film out there? There's probably just a couple of exhibition games and you can look back and see some of these other players. But, uh, you know, is this more of a case where you guys are more focused on what you guys do internally? Or is there a game plan around a team that you really have never seen before? No, and that's it. Truth to be honest, I mean, obviously, it, that means you're planning for hell year. But again, like Jack Hanna, 
you're going to scout him at Denver University, what he likes to do. You know what I mean? Little things like that, right? So it's like we're we're doing our piece that way. And obviously, I've coached against Willie for a long time in junior, so I'm not lying. I've watched a couple of the junior games, again, looking for certain plays that might happen that I saw them do in certain game situations. You know what I mean? They're, I'm trying to get every little timbit that way for sure. But again, it comes back to, yeah, you prepare for them, but you're focused on you guys, what, what we have to do as a team. And like we said, one of the guys said in our group chat, like we've been there before. We know how fired up we were for our first game. So, you know, they're going to be coming hard too. Right. So, so we got to make sure we're ready, but we got to take care of Panther city for sure. Um, You did mention that you'll be playing them again next Friday um, as a longtime member of the national lacrosse league to way back when, you know, there was six teams in this league and, it was only based in the East Coast. Now we're about to venture into Las Frickin' <laughs> Vegas. Like, how mind-blowing is that from your standpoint of how long you've been in the league to we're now about to break that barrier? I'm telling you, well, it's funny because obviously I met my wife playing lacrosse and then playing for The Rock, and she always said to me as soon as she knew me, if you ever go to Vegas, come home, the doors will be changed, locks will be changed, and your stuff will be on the front lawn. <laughs> so this is the first time that I have an excuse to go to Vegas. So I'm pretty fired up because I have to go. So there's no excuse. I got but again, what you're saying. I mean, if you would have told us say in nineteen ninety-nine or two thousand playing out of the out of the out of Maple Leaf Gardens that we'd be going to Las Vegas, I I would have took that bet. I would have took that bet for sure. So, no, it's uh, it's unbelievable, and I'm super excited. But obviously, I got to take care of business Friday. But I just happen to be going in there maybe a day or two early last next week too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hopefully, you won't get the Vegas flu. Uh, Toller, appreciate you as always, my man. Good luck this weekend uh, in the home opener down there in Panther City. Hopefully. Uh, the fans actually rally behind you guys this year, and it's a great crowd. Thank you very much, fellas. Take care. Appreciate being on, boys. Absolutely always love catching up with Toller. Uh, just one of the funniest dudes you're ever going to talk to. But just being around that group a couple times last season for, for TSN games, they really had a good connection from their players through their coaching staff. Um, even some of the, you know, the back office staff, it's just a very fun vibe to be around. I'm very interested to see how year two plays out for this group. Obviously Don Villain is a huge addition to that offense, you know, pairing him with Patrick Dodds, but how is that defense going to play? How is the goaltending going to work with Nick Damood? Is he going to be able to hold on to that number one reigns? with Kevin Orleman being out right for the first little bit, you know, there is a lot of pressure on this group to, to continue that success after year one. You said it pressure. How does this group deal with the pressure? Because um, it was awesome that, you know, they had a, a, a solid season in that first year. Uh, but when you play like that, you kind of speed up the process and, um, Again, like in this league, there there is such a small margin for error. And I know this team believed that their slow start really did um, cause them a spot of possibly making the postseason last year. And yes, you know what? You got to trust the process. And, you know, you, you, you know 
deep down inside, you're, you're not a championship contending team in your first year. But I truly think like, I know Tracy Koleski said it a lot. And sometimes you can think like coaches have lip service and they, they say those things, but I have a hard time believing that this team didn't like once they went on that run, I do truly believe that they thought if they got into the playoffs, they were going to be able to do some damage. Yeah, I, I do too. I, you know, they were sort of a team with nothing to lose. They were just playing freewheeling, fast-paced, energetic lacrosse. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the MO of this team. I think we're going to see that more and more. They just are, you know, reinserting that identity of this team. And the addition of, you know, a guy like Nate Wade may not be an impact guy, but just another piece of sandpaper to add to that back door, uh, add a little toughness, a little more experience. Um, and, and that's just the continuation of guys that they added. And I think the future is bright for them. Uh, and I'm interested to see what they do. And hopefully a few wins early on gets the fans in the door down there at Dickey's arena. And we can see the expansion starting to work down there in Panther city. Cause year two is a, a very big teller, not just your product on the floor, but the results of that and the work that you're doing in the community to get fans in the door. Winning sells, man. Winning really does. does sell. Unfortunately, we did not win on the parlay, but there's still lots of lacrosse left. So let's try again. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> Another round of box bets, Patty. Um, underdog parlay last week, almost. New York almost pulled it off. We got the Rochester money line. We got the Halifax minus one and a half. Uh, we didn't get the New York money line win. And the go big or go home bet um, went four of six. Uh, Bandits losing cost us. And Philly Halifax scoring 26 goals cost us as well. Uh, we had Toronto minus one and a half back covered. San Diego, New York over 23 covered. Rochester plus one and a half covered. And Sask minus one and a half covered as well. But unfortunately, we just couldn't get the job done. So we're going to try again. And we're going to see if we can get some winners. I will say that that go big or go home bet. I know it lost on game one. But after following it, I was like, oh, man, like – you were pretty close with this one, so I, I'm I'm intrigued to hear if you have another. I do go big or go home. Okay, good. So before we get to that, um, I took the liberty to to, to take the reins this week for Please. the OTCB parlay. So, um, I know the over screwed or the under screwed us last time, so I'm going to go with an over. Rush seals over 22 and a half. I know we just praised both these teams' defenses, but the offenses looked very, very good in week one. So I'm taking the over 22 and a half. Rock money line. Yes, I know Rochester looked great, but Toronto is a team on a championship run. It's championship or bust. You heard Dan Dawson say that um, in Rocked Unplugged last week. So if you're a championship pedigree team, you have to beat the teams that are lower than you in the projected standings, let's say. So 
They don't have to cover the spread, which is crazy. It's minus two and a half. It's it's the first multi-goal spread that we've seen this season, but that doesn't matter. Just win the game. Does not matter what the outcome is as long as the Rock are in the W column. Yes, sir. And I got a little bit creative here. Love it. I really wanted a piece of action in the Desert Dogs and Panther City game. I just didn't know. I couldn't choose. Uh, <laughs> don't know what to expect. You know, I like both defenses, but I also like their offense. And, you know, I, I, I didn't want to pick a side. So I went with Rob Hellier over one and a half goals. Add all that together. It's plus 380 exclusively at Cool Bet. So quickly, Rush Seals over two and a half. Toronto Rock money over line. 22 and a half, Pat. Over two and a half would be oh, hammered. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over 22 and a half. Rock money line. Hellier. Over one and a half goals plus 380. I love that. I absolutely love this one. I again, you know, these things, there's there's no such thing as as free money. There's no such thing as a guaranteed winner. But man, looking at these three games, I like it. I feel I confident about this one, Teddy. I do as well. Um, I do Let's as well. Let's hear your big dog. Let's hear All right, go big, big or go home. This one doesn't get any juice. Uh, it's just a straight up. But we're going Desert Dogs money line plus 132. I just have a feeling they're going to come out firing in that very first game. I got Sask money line over San Diego plus 110. Toronto Rochester, let's go over 23 and a half. I think that Toronto Rock team is just going to put up a bushel, a barrel full and a bushel full of goals. And Rochester is going to have to try and keep up. So I think we're going to see a lot of goals in that one. And then give me Calgary minus one and a half against Vancouver at plus 130. Put all that together plus 2039 so a $10 bet returns you a couple hundo bucks right in time for Christmas. Stuff you're stocking, Teddy. I <laughs> like it. I absolutely love this one. Yeah. Um it, it's again one one pick from each game, yeah. sprinkle a little money, no boost like the parlay, but still an opportunity to play along and have some fun and like I said, $10 bet gets you a lot of stocking stuffers. I, I love it. Uh, you know what? The 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 Toronto Rochester, I think in years past, that would scream under for me. Yeah. But with the way not only we saw Toronto, but like 16 goals for Rochester last mm-hmm. week. Like this is a team that I think has a little bit of a different identity than we saw in years past. So um, I, I like that. I like that a lot. And things that I like – at cool bet right now this year you know again just always trying to find new ways for lacrosse fans and casual sports fans to wager um on games a new uh fold that that cool bet has added uh to each game if you click on the games on the the little plus tab there to see all the different bets you'll see all you'll see popular winner totals halves all that stuff but if you go to mixed um a little option for a pre-made same game parlay um and what that is is you can choose the winner and also the total Mm. of the game so for example in game one of the week you could choose panther city to win the game 
and for it to go over 21 and a half. That's plus 220. If you think Panther City is going to win and it's going to be a low-scoring game, well, you can get the under and Panther City to win on the money line at plus 225. If you think Vegas is going to win and it's going to be a high-scoring game, well, you can get that at plus 290. And then again, if you think Vegas is going to come out with a win, but keep the game low scoring and go under 21 and a half, you get that at plus 325. So every single game for the National Lacrosse League this year, you can find that under the mix tab. That is a pick fun a winner. one, Pat. Yes, you can pick a winner and a total for the game. So again, you get a little more of a juicy option on it. If let's say, you know, if you really think the Toronto Rock are going to win this week, but you don't want to lay the minus two and a half on the, what are we calling the ball line, <laughs> the spread, uh, or, you know, eh, minus two forty four, just not enough juice for you on that one. You can go to the mixed option and take Toronto to win and over or under over is plus one sixty under is plus one seventy five. Nighthawks. If you want the, the Nighthawks are going to win and it's going to be a goal fest plus 500 hammer. Wow. Wow. See? <laughs> they're, See? They're all, dude, the go big or go home bets are going to get out of hand with this one. <laughs> oh, my you, goodness. You might have to start parlaying the mixed options. Can, can you do that? You you certainly can. Oh, my goodness. I think the go big, go home parlay <laughs> next week might be super juicy. Dude, they are going to be like plus 12,000. <laughs> All right, well, keep keep your eyes peeled for that next week. But until that point, again, check out the odds. Check out the mixed. Again, there's a lot of other things. You can bet on halves. Um, and, of course, player props come out usually on Friday. Uh, if there's a Friday game, you'll get those props there. If not, for the Saturday games, you might get that early in the morning, probably for you folks out west before you even wake up. So, uh, again, cool bet, the best place for NLL wagering, and it's not even particularly close. Uh, and how do people play along? It's quite simple. Go to CoolBet, either uh, .ca if you're in Ontario, .com if you are elsewhere. Um, hit that little green button to sign up, and whatever you want to do. If you want to add 20 bucks, if you want to add 200 bucks, up to $200, match your deposit uh, and we'll double that up for you for your first deposit uh, at CoolBet. Next thing you know, you're playing along, keeping cool. And betting responsibly. Absolutely. Um, you were in the booth this weekend, as was I. First game's back, and now you get a weekend off. Uh, which game are you going to be paying the most attention to? Like, which game, if you were going to do the dangle watch-along, um, which game would you set up? Tough, real tough. I think there's a lot of really, really good games. Obviously, I'm going to be watching you on TSN for Vancouver. Oh, I know why you can big head me again. <laughs> that might happen. Maybe I'll hit up Brad this time. Um, but I think the game that I'm most intrigued about is uh, Saskatchewan-San Diego. Yeah. I really do think, I think that we we know San Diego, the all the championship uh you know, vibes that are around that team. But I think this is a big test. I think if Saskatchewan can come out here, play a close game or even win, um, I think 
you know, you can, you can call them legit. You can say this team is back. If they come out, look flat and kind of look like the team that we saw at the start of last year. Um, again, I'm not going to put the done chain on them by any stretch of the imagination, but then, you know, okay, this team has some things to work out. So, uh, that, that game, both those teams. And again, um, I think that's going to be huge for the standing. I know it's game two of, of 18 for both of them. Um, but we know in this league, man, every game counts. Mm-hmm. And if you lose a one early that you feel you should have had, sometimes that's the difference between making the playoffs, getting home floor advantage, and and just the way how close this league is, how much parity there, there is, that could be make or break for your season. Uh, Vancouver's got basically a double header with Vancouver this week and next week. Same with Panther City and Vegas. They're, this is the start of a double header weekend for those two clubs or those four clubs. So I'm interested to see how Vancouver bounces back, uh, how many changes they make. I, I would shock me if Sean Evans wasn't in the lineup this weekend for Vancouver. Um, it, it'd be interesting to see if you know some of those rookies that played in their first game uh, are asked to sit out and maybe do some watching. Um, so I'm interested to see how Vancouver bounces back. Obviously, Panther City and Vegas. Uh, everyone just wants to see how Vegas is going to look in their first game. But I, I don't think anybody would argue with the fact that the game of the weekend is Saskatchewan and San Diego, two of the top teams in the West right now. A litmus test to see if Saskatchewan is for real and if San Diego uh, can keep the momentum rolling after a, a very close um, and hard-fought win against the, the New York Riptide. Uh, anything else you want to get off of your chest before we say goodbye, Pat? <sighs> to be honest, believe it or not, I think we I think we nailed everything this week. I think we touched on all the the hot takes and 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 the inner workings of the league. I'm just excited that that you know we're back. A um, little bit of a slower schedule for for December. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's always the case with the NLL. You have your, you know, the the, the Christmas break coming up in a little bit. But uh, next thing you know, man, uh, we're going to be full swing and just enjoy it because this season goes fast. Next thing you know, you're going to blink and we're going to be talking about, you know, playoff clinching scenario. So enjoy every game when it's on TSN, watch it. When it's on ESPN, watch it. If it's not on, fire up your device. Go to tsn.ca go to espn plus watch 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 and for those in canada if you miss a game all the games are pretty much up the next day on the nll facebook page so um obviously tsn.ca doesn't have the bandwidth to support all of our games on their archives like espn plus does but all the games no matter where you are are on the league facebook thanks to ryan keenan and thanks to toller for stopping by. absolutely love chatting with those fellas. Uh, I will be in Calgary for the TSN game on Saturday night. Hopefully you all can tune in. Thanks to Pat for stopping by. You can find him on Twitter at P Greggy. I am at Teddy Jenner, the show at OTCB underscore podcast, or find us on IG at OTCB podcast Four games this weekend. Enjoy them all. If you go to a game, take a friend, take a friend, buy him a beer, lacrosse and beer hand in hand. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.